Welcome to the Dear Mama Project, a personal and spiritual development podcast for mums, where we explore motherhood as a catalyst for personal transformation. My name is Nikki McCann, and each week I will bring you practical tools, personal insights, and inspiring interviews to help you in your own journey of growth and transformation through motherhood. Thank you for tuning in. I am so grateful to have you here, and I can't wait to go on this journey together. Hello, and welcome back. In today's episode, I'm speaking with Hannah Martin. Hannah is a mum of two who, through her own journey of becoming a mother, identified a big gap in the support available to Australian-based Maori families who want to incorporate traditional cultural practices into their birth, postpartum and parenting journey. Hannah went on to create her own business, Kaiawaka Wahanu, where she teaches hypnobirthing and offers Hapu Wananga, a Maori antenatal class, as well as in-person postpartum support. In this episode, we talk about Hannah's own journey to becoming a mum, traditional Maori birth and postpartum practices, and the importance of empowering families through their parenting journey. Hannah is really passionate about supporting families to feel empowered and informed as they go through their parenting journey, and I know you're going to love hearing her story. Before we get into today's episode, just a quick thank you for everyone who's been leaving reviews for the podcast. I find it super inspiring to know how the podcast has helped you and to connect with you and your story. It also helps the podcast reach more people. So I'm super grateful for your support. I wanted to read a review I got last week and this review is from Mary856 and she wrote, Hits Home. In particular, the podcast's focus on matrescence have been such a godsend for me. So important to begin speaking more openly about this topic. Even discovering the word matrescence has been so valuable. Being able to name what I've been feeling since becoming a mum. It's a must listen. Smiley face. Thank you so much, Mary. I really appreciate the time you took to leave the review and hearing that matrescence has been such a big moment of aha for you. I completely agree that having a word to name our experiences really does change everything. And I'm so glad that you've been able to find some support and comfort for your own journey through the podcast. If you have been enjoying the show and you want to help me spread the word about Dear Mama, I would really love your help. If you want to leave a podcast review, that's amazing. The other thing you can do to support me in the podcast is to grab a screenshot and share it on your Instagram stories, or you can send the podcast or your favorite episode to one of the mums in your circle who you think would benefit from it. I really appreciate your support in what I'm doing here at Dear Mama and what I'm trying to build. So thank you, thank you, thank you. All right, let's jump into today's episode with Hannah. Hi, Hannah. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Nikki. Thanks for having me. Thank you for your patience with me. This is our third time at recording, so third time lucky. We're going to make it happen this time. (laughs) Thank you for that. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) Can you tell us a little bit about yourself and your journey to becoming a mum? So my name's Hannah. Um, I'm from Hamilton in New Zealand originally. I'm a mum of three, so I birthed babies here in Queensland um they are four and one now and then I also watched my oldest who's my niece who is 12 be born at the foot of the bed like I was sitting right there watching everything so um my journey to becoming a mum's been unconventional kind of like I became the caregiver of my niece seven years ago six seven years ago and then a month later I found out I was pregnant with my daughter yeah which was was a big um 
shift from partying all the time to having to slow down and, you know, become a mum, become more domesticated, you could say that. So um, when I was pregnant with my daughter, it was, yeah, it was a difficult journey, but I was physically fine. And then I had her, and then a week later, I broke up with her dad. So I had to navigate through being a single mum as well. So that was rough, but I think it took took a while for me to get like get used to it. But I grew up really quick, um, and I became pretty independent. And then I met my partner now, and then we got pregnant last year. And then that was a whole different journey for me because I wasn't wanting to be pregnant. And I actually went through a whole mental and emotional spiral downward, which was a big journey for me, and I'm still navigating it now. But after having him, he's like the light for us. And even though like I got a bit of postpartum depression and anxiety after having him, it's been nothing but a blessing because it's led me to where I am today, to helping mums like navigate their way through becoming a mum. It's amazing how all these little hiccups add to your journey and make it all worthwhile. Yeah, it's so interesting, isn't it, that those things that we go through that are really challenging and hard for us, it's like we're, when we're in the challenge, we're accruing the wisdom that we generally then share with other people once we're through the other side, and it sounds like that's what you've done. Yeah, because I've never wanted to be involved in birth work or anything. It never inspired me because mum is a midwife. She's been a midwife for over 20 years now. So being, you know, being the daughter, I wanted to just steer, steer away from, you know, becoming your mum pretty much. <laughs> I feel but that. ironically, I've ended up there. I love the story of your business and the connection with your mum. Can we talk a little bit more about that? Your business, you've recently started it, and it's obviously very heart-led and born through your own experience. Can you tell us a little bit about your journey with creating it and how that kind of connects back with your mum? Yep, so when I was pregnant with my um, daughter... I wanted the connection with my culture, like to try and put the traditions into my pregnancy and birth and postpartum. But unfortunately, there wasn't anything like that around. So um, I just kind of winged it and did whatever, like my mum told me, was the way that our ancestors used to do it. It's really different compared to New Zealand, the um, maternity system here. So back in New Zealand, they get a midwife from the time they find out they're pregnant to six weeks after they've had baby. And depending on the relationship that's being created, it can last until, I don't know, mum, my mum is still friends with some of the mums that she's helped birth their babies, and their babies are like 12 now. It's so incredible. And then coming over here into the public system, you just get like, what do they call it? Midwife roulette? Like mm-hmm. you just get whoever whoever is in on the day, and there's no personal connection with them because you don't know them, they don't know you, and every appointment you get asked the same questions which can be annoying when you're pregnant mm. yeah so having my babies here in Australia made me want to reconnect with my land and learn all about my culture so when I was pregnant with my son I wanted to go back for the antenatal classes that they have there and it's all about that it's all about connecting to the land connecting back to your culture and connecting with your your own people but unfortunately yeah, I couldn't be because of the timing and everything. So I decided to bring it over here 
and I talked to some of my friends and my cousins, they're like, yeah, we would love to do something like that. And I was like, well, since there's like actually actual demand for it, may as well make it a business and let mums know about all the stuff that my culture has to offer. That's amazing. And your mum is a midwife. And I remember when I've spoken to you before, you've spoken about how you used to sort of like sit underneath her desk while um, she would be teaching. How did that sort of inform your journey when you started to approach motherhood? So I grew up with birth being normal, like seeing babies being born was normal. So I grew up with not being scared of it, just to embrace it. And that's, that's like the normal. So compared to my friends who are scared, or not all of them, but most of them were scared that they were pregnant, scared that they were going to have to give birth, scared about what's going to happen afterwards. I was raised to just go with the flow. Baby will know what to do. Your body's, you know, built for having babies. So, yeah, my mum just taught me how to trust myself, trust my body, which was what I'm wanting to teach these mums and dads because some dads still have the fear that the mum's body will not do what it's made to do. And that really can impact how you feel about your body then too like if your partner is maybe fearful that fear can kind of infiltrate into your own experience yeah so um with hypnobirthing they talk about the fear tension and um pain so it's just the fear will cause tension and then the tension will cause pain and so like just in the triangle over and over again so when someone brings fear into not just in pregnancy but in your life it creates that cycle and you have to try and get out of it so trying to like teach the dads that it's okay, mum knows what she's doing, like everything will be all right. That's the main goal for them to be able to trust the birthing body. Mm, yeah, so important. And can you tell us a little bit about the importance of your cultural practices at this time and you know, birth and, and motherhood being this pivotal time in a woman's journey and in the family's journey? What sort of practices do you think it's important that should be supported? So the number one practice, I think, for um, pregnancy and birthing journeys is the placenta. So um, in Māori culture, women were created from the earth. So the earth is papatūanuku, and we were cre- created in her um, pubic bone, which is called kurawaka, and we are made out of clay. So when we as women have our baby, the um, placenta is called the whenua, and the land is also called the whenua so we give back our placenta to mother earth to like pay our respect to her to acknowledge what she has done for us and what our placenta has done for our baby because they've both given life to everything so that's the um big importance for placenta and we bury the placenta in in a place of significance for us so my daughter's is buried at my um homestead which is my grandfather's house and she's just always drawn to going like home back to where her placenta is because um we have the mindset that we're always connected to our placenta no matter where you are in the world you'll always go back to it and that's why we like to bury it in a place of significance so that they will always feel like they belong in that place so that's the biggest one for my culture is trying to let them know how important that one is and why it is um, another one is tying our umbilical cord with 
um, flax fiber. Like not only is it traditional, it's actually better than the plastic clip because it has um, antibacterial properties in it and it heals the, the umbilical cord a lot quicker. I think maybe three days max sometimes compared to like weeks, or well not weeks, but like a week with a plastic clip. Mm. And it's a lot more gentler for baby to, to have that instead of the plastic clip that everyone's scared that will be ripped off of the nappy. I think putting our cultural practices into our journey is so important because when you connect back with your culture, I think you, don't, you feel more secure in who you are. You're not so shy about, but like, oh, I don't know that part of me. I'm just going to keep it over there and pretend like it doesn't exist. I find when people embrace their culture, they become more staunch and more proud. And that's what I like seeing. Like, not just my culture as Māori, but any other culture, when they start to embrace it, you can just see the change in them straight away, that they become more like they're walking with their ancestors behind them, holding them up. That's so beautiful. And I think that the work that you're doing and bringing these this information and, and support around these practices to Australia, where, as you said, this has really been like a bit of a missing link and wasn't something that was available for you is just so cool. Can you tell me a little bit about, like, how does this actually go in terms of going into the hospital? Is, is part of your work with working with expecting families, helping them navigate some of the, the systems in place when they're working with the hospital? Because as you said, there's not that sort of continuity of care so do you have to sort of empower them to advocate for themselves around some of these practices yeah so we um so i hold workshops in slacks creek every wednesday and we go over everything to inform the the mums and whoever is there to inform them of their rights so i think it was a couple of weeks ago we actually talked about what you can say what you can say no to, what are your rights, and making sure that they know that they can refuse any, like anything within reason. Like you don't have to say no to everything, but if you're not comfortable with it, you can say no. Like a big one that they didn't know was that you can ask to change your care provider if you don't align with them or if they're, if they're bringing in some negative energy within your space. Like, you know, when you just don't want someone around you, a lot of them didn't know that you you could say, no, go away, I want another one. And that was a big thing because with my birth with my son, I had a very negative um, care provider in with me, but I just sucked it up because I didn't know that I could ask for a different one. And that impacted on me because she um, triggered stress response in me, which made me not feel safe, not feel like I was doing the right thing. She made me feel like I was inferior and had to listen to her and everything. So what I like to do is I like to make sure that they're confident in making these decisions. Like, I'm sure you know about brains. A little bit. Like I, oh, <laughs> oh, yeah, just like the benefits, the risks, the alternatives, um, just following your intu- intuition. Um, you can say no and you can do nothing and also just giving or asking for space from the care providers. Because I find when you're in a hospital setting or any medical setting, they like hover over you mm. when they're like, oh, we need to do this, um, yes or no, and they won't give you space. Mm. So you feel pressured to, you know, please them and just say yes. Whereas if they gave you space and you thought about it, you're like, oh, actually, no, like, I don't want that. Mm. Like, please don't. I don't want it. And they have to respect you. That's amazing. I've never heard of that acronym before. Can you say it again for us? 
Um, so the B stands for what are the benefits. Mm-hmm. Um, R stands for what are the risks. Um, A stands for what are the alternatives to this. I is trust your intuition. N is what happens if I do nothing or say no. And then S is space. Just give me some space. I love that. That's incredible. Um, that's yeah, so you can use that for any, like if they try and ask you for interventions or anything you're not sure about, just just use that because then you get the information that you need to make that informed decision. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I know that you're really passionate about not just educating the birthing woman, but educating her, support people and family around her. So that is that so that they can advocate for her in that instance and so that they're empowered to speak up to? Yeah, because I, I find that a lot of dads just sit back and let things happen because the doctors know what's best, the midwives know what's best because that's their job. Yeah, with the dads that do that, they feel real, um, they feel heavy about letting that happen to their, to their partners or to their loved ones, especially when it turns very traumatic. And then they're scarred with it. But if they use, if they feel like they can be advocates for their partner, then it makes them feel like confident and it makes them know that they actually did something to make a difference. But also I like to educate them because they think that pregnancy and birth is just for the mum, but it's for the dad as well because they're going through just as much of the emotional and mental side to it. And then mum's just got the physical side. That's the difference between mum, well, between the partners and the mums. And I think men get left left out of their whole thing. Like everyone's woman focused, which which it should be, but they also are becoming a dad as well. So it's yeah. good for them to know that they matter because sometimes they just like you know sit back and just watch. Yeah can feel a bit, I know for my husband, when we had my son, he kind of said that he felt like a bit of a third wheel sometimes, like the focus is so intensely on the mum and then the baby that sometimes the dad, as you said, can kind of feel like they're kind of sitting back a bit. Yeah, like they feel hopeless and just like, oh, well, I can't do anything. What do you want me to do? My partner was the same. He sat on the chair, I think, right up until like a couple of minutes before I actually had him. And that's because I was like, are you just going to sit there? And I was like, oh, okay. And then, you know, got up and came next to us. Yeah. So um, it's good to, I guess, as you said, involve the dad so that they feel like comfortable and confident and, and understand, I guess, as well, how much that impacts, that support helps the woman during birth as well to know that they've got someone there with them. Yeah, because um, yeah, the dads are there to, to hold them, make sure that they're okay while trying not to crumble themselves because I've seen some dads cry in their birthing room. <laughs> but oh, nothing wrong with that. It's just, oh, I think it's cute, actually. But, yes, the, the dad's there to hold their partner while, while she's going through this big transformation, like while having a baby, and he's just there to support her to hold that space so that she's held emotionally as well because mm. it's a big transition and she needs to know that she's loved, that she is being seen as everything, not just as a woman having a baby. Mm, definitely. And we were just talking before we started a recording as well about the importance of postpartum and what's your sort of take on on 
how you can, I guess, kind of prepare a little bit for postpartum or what do you sort of share with your families? So I make sure that they've got um, their food sorted because that's a big one when you're when you're on that new newborn stage and you're just wanting to be with your baby, you don't want to get up and leave them. Like make sure that you have food organised, whether it's like bulk cooking before you have baby and freezing it all so you can just pull it out and chuck it in the oven or or like organising meal services, telling friends and family that they're welcome to drop off food just so that it's nutritious food and not not the fast food, like mm. go to the shops, which is yeah, it's not good, especially if you're, um, if you're breastfeeding because it's, it's not the right foods to be bringing on the milk and helping you and baby get the best start in the postpartum period. So I share a lot about food, making sure that they get all the nice nutrients from the food. I also talk about cleaning because I know no one likes to do the washing at all, even when you're not just had a baby. But getting someone to come over to help cleaning, or even encouraging the partner to make sure that they're just staying on top of those jobs while mum's still adjusting to having a baby. And then another one is when they have kids, like the drop-offs to school or to daycare, that, that was a big adjustment for me because I had to, you know, get out, carry a newborn, carry my daughter. And then she was difficult because sometimes she didn't want to leave me and I was like, oh, no, you have to go. <laughs> So getting someone to help you with that is even, like, you don't realise it until it happens, but it's a godsend when someone helps you with the small things in life. And then if you get support during your postpartum period, it makes all the difference for you mentally as well. Like, you have that time to recover. You have that time to realise that there's a new baby there. Because I think I forgot a couple of times that I actually had a baby and I was like, oh, oh, and then he started crying. I was like, oh, no, I've actually got a baby. (laughs) It is such a, like, big change to wrap your head around, I think, particularly in those early days. So having, as you said, like those sort of, like, simple things or things that before we have a, a, a baby or before we have kids we might think is really simple, like getting the dinner done, getting the washing done, getting all those things done, those things can be really tricky when you're in the thick of it. Yeah, I think even when you're like, like my son is, well, how old is he? He's just over one now, and it's still tricky to do all those everyday things, but it's more because he's mobile now. So I'll be folding clothes and he'll be throwing them across the room. <laughs> I'll be trying to cook dinner and he'll be like grabbing onto my leg crying. Yeah. So. Yeah, postpartum just doesn't stop just at the like six weeks or the six months. It, it's continuous. So as, as you would know, I think your son might be like that sometimes. Yes, yes. And my daughter's like that too. <laughs> yeah, each stage is like different and brings its own challenges and its own joys. And it's just, yeah, I guess that's the thing with motherhood. Hey, it's just, it's this constant process of change. Like we're always going through a different cycle and a different season. Yeah, and I find that mums, um, yeah, they do struggle, not just with the early stages. It could be when they're, like, trying to get the baby to sleep in their own bed mm. or to sleep in a different room. And I see it a lot in the mums groups, how they struggle with certain things. And it's at the certain um, milestones of baby while they're developing. Yeah. And no one really knows that that's important. So they're just like, oh, you've got a kid, be happy. Yeah. It's kind of hard when you don't have that support. Mm, yeah, really important to have the support. 
And what's it been like for you now to sort of move into the same space as, um, as your mum? Have you been able to kind of call on some of her experience when you've been building your business and kind of reconnecting with these um, different cultural practices? Yeah, um, so it's actually um, strengthened our relationship because I was a bit strained because I was always going against two witches. <laughs> like that was just me being the daughter not wanting to do what my mum did so I just did the complete opposite so when I started going down this path um, into this work she was really supportive because she um, she owned her own practice for probably about six years so she was experienced in the business side so I was asking her all that stuff and then to have her being experienced in the field that I'm like you know working in was even more help because she's like, like um, I had one mum with placenta previa and I was like oh I don't really know too much about that but then I asked my mum and she was telling me everything I was like oh sweet so she was like if you want to look at this and this and she sent over some books from her studies and everything so like I can read them without having to pay the hundreds of dollars for the textbooks but yeah she's been really supportive and we actually did a postpartum doula course together which was um, about indigenous practices of the um, Anishinaabe which is a Native American people and the sim- similarity between them and Māori people was, was um, yeah, really close, actually. So we connected with them on a, on a whole other level, which was lovely. Amazing. I love that, um, that yeah, it's brought you together. It sounds, it sounds like it's been a really nice kind of experience to go through. And with your business now, like, what's your vision and mission and what would you like to see come through with your business? Um, so I would like to see like more, more of the women, not just in Logan, but in the in Brisbane, wholly um, getting the education and have a lot more families just come in to learn about our culture because I think 2020 has been a real big time for reflection and everyone's wanting wanting to reconnect with some sort of you know culture that they've been in, whether their grandmother was like six generations Maori. But yeah, as long as your your heart's in the right place to learn all the stuff, I wish that everyone would just come along. Like it's, I've made it accessible so that people can come and um, learn all this stuff, and it's not boring stuff either. Like it's pretty interesting, and it's it's not just me sitting at the front talking to you, making you read lines, because that's not how I learn. I'd probably fall asleep, to be honest. It's more about opening up the floor, letting people share their stories so that everyone can, can like, um, relate to them and then share their experience and then we learn from each other. Yeah, I love that. I don't know if that answered the questions. <laughs> it does, it does. And I think, um, yeah, I think what you're doing is amazing. Can you tell me if you could change one thing for women and families during their postpartum and matrescence journey, what would you change? It's still the same as the first time we talked. (laughs) Um, Accessibility. So accessibility from familiar faces. So I know a lot of people don't don't like to go to someone where they can't um, see themselves as. Mm -hmm. So for me personally, I wouldn't go to like a, you know, a 50-year-old woman in hospital who's trying to tell me about birth because we've had, you know, different life experiences. We're not the same, like, she may think, or oh, 50 years old. So there will be, like, um, their mindset will be set in medical um, births, whereas now our generation's 
veering off into more of an intuitive birth, like birthing at home and everything. So I want to be, yeah, I want accessibility to education, to support and to community. It's not very common these days um, to have any of that because I see sometimes um, some courses can go up to $800 and it's, it's not that long, like it's maybe 12 hours most mm. for, yeah, 12 hours of education for $800. Not everyone can afford that. So I'm always trying to find a way to support low-income earners, single mums that just don't have the time or money to do all that stuff. So, yeah, that's what I would change. Yeah, I think that's incredible. And as you said, I think sometimes, unfortunately, there are a lot of services that are just out of reach for some people and everyone really deserves to have a supported birth experience and a supported entry into motherhood. It shouldn't be about how much money you've got determines whether or not you can have that opportunity. Yeah, like I'm not I'm not calling out businesses or anything. It's more to do with the government. They don't they don't um fund enough for maternity and for postpartum care. Mm. It's sort of like you have the baby and then they just flick you off and leave you to yourself. That's what I feel the government does here. Cause if they did care about about women and families during their pregnancy postpartum period, they would make a lot more um, services accessible for them, like home birthing. Mm. Home birthing can like, start from 4500 in Queensland upwards, depending on what you want. Mm. And I know everyone wants a home birth, or not everyone, but a lot of people want home births, but they can't afford that. And it's just because the government puts in all these crazy um, insurance clauses and all of that. Mm. Yeah. yeah, it sucks. Yeah, yeah, it's so true. The um, insurance fees for the home birth midwives are, are so expensive that it makes it, as you said, out of reach for a lot of people. Um, and I've recently been talking about uh, some similar things on Instagram just around the focus on, on support for the mothers being really inadequate because even if we think about postpartum, there's one postpartum check at six weeks. And that might be done with the GP and it's sort of like a box for me. It felt like a box ticking exercise at the end to like, all right, yep, you're done. You know, off you go kind of thing that there's really not a lot of support around the transition itself as well, like for, for a family. And I think that that means that unfortunately a lot of families are under a huge amount of stress and pressure when they should be supported by community. Yeah, that six-week checkup is, yeah. And sometimes they don't even come to your house. You have to go to them, which was, for me, that was, I don't like leaving the house while my baby's still a baby baby. And that was hard. And I was like, how many other mums have to make their way to the clinic to see this, like, to see the nurse or whoever is giving the six-week checkup? And they don't have cars, so they have to take public transport. And, like, if it's summer or, like, the weather's crap, or crazy hot, you know, that's there's no care in that. Well, I feel there's no care in that. Mm, yeah. They make it more convenient for them instead of convenient for the new mum. Mm, yeah, I think there's a big overhaul that um, needs to happen and hopefully the more people that kind of come into this work and this space and talking about postpartum and matrescence, the more this will shift for people because I guess the thing is it doesn't ever change unless people say, 
this isn't okay. <laughs> and it's that, that sort of talking about it and, and talking about, well, what would actually be ideal? Like what's the best thing for the family? Like just everything else aside, like what's the best thing for the family? I think we can start seeing that the way things are at the moment is definitely inadequate. And particularly when you look at how many people have um, depression, one in four after you have a baby and one in 10 dads have depression. So there's obviously something that's not working. Yeah, and there's not, there's not much education. Or like Panda has a lot of resources, but there's not, not much education given before it happens. So like there's, there's a lot of mums that struggle to figure out what's happening. And they're like, oh, what do, like, why, why am I like this? Why do I feel like I don't love my baby? kind of stuff and it's not until they have to like go on google check the symptoms that they find out all the stuff mm. whereas if we put in their education beforehand maybe they can recognize the signs a lot earlier mm. and even with their partners to be able to get help that they need whether that's um medical like professional help or just being more more focused with your family around you supporting you because I know with me, it was more having family around to support me to help. Yeah. But I had more of my friends helping instead of my family. Yeah. Yeah. But there's definitely that big need for help sort of in any form. Yeah. Pretty much. Hey. Yeah. Well, thank you so much, Hannah, for um, coming on the podcast. If our listeners have really connected with you and your work, how can we find you and learn more from you? Um, so you can catch me on um, like social media on Facebook or Instagram at um, kaifakafano, or you can check my website out, which is just kaifakafano.com. But if you are wanting to work um, with me or learn from me, I hold weekly guananga or workshops at um, in Stacks Creek, like I said before, every Wednesday at 10 o'clock. But I'm hoping to be able to bring more workshops in different locations in Brisbane um, in the new year. It's just... This year's gotten away from me. <laughs> yeah, but, um, been unexpected. It's only like four weeks left of the year. Yeah. But yeah, so if you want to work with me that way, I also offer hypnobirthing. So just send me a message, comment on something, and we can just start talking about that. Awesome. Thank you. I will we'll link to all of your places, your Instagram and website um, in the show notes. If anyone wants to connect with you, you can just head over to the show notes and check it out there. Well, thank you again, Hannah. It's been such a pleasure and I'm so glad we finally made this happen. <laughs> well, thank you so much for having me. Yes, I'm so glad too. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you have enjoyed the episode. If you would like to connect with Hannah, you'll find all of her contact details in the show notes of today's podcast. If you've enjoyed the podcast episode and you want to let me know what you think, I would love to hear from you. You can send me a DM on Instagram. I'm at Dear Mama Project, or grab a screenshot of the podcast and tag me. Have a great day and I will see you again next time.